Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's find James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I just want to just share a few thoughts that are on my heart. Our Heavenly Father, it's a great joy to be able to study Thy Holy Word. I thank You for the anointing to stand in this office. I thank You for the anointing upon Thy Word. I thank You for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. I thank You for the Word that shall go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I thank You, dear Father God, that as we are doers of Your Word and not hearers only, we shall walk as living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 2, verse 17. James chapter 2, verse 17. I just want to talk to you a little bit this evening about acting upon God's Word or acting on God's Word. You know, the Bible says, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. How many of you know that we have a lot of hearers of God's Word? You know, we can hear it, but hearing it's not enough. It's not the hearer of the Word that's justified. It's the doer of the Word. Isn't that right? But be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Now, James 2.17 says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Actually, in the Amplified, I'll just read it for you. So also, faith, if it does not have works deeds and actions of obedience to back it up by itself is destitute of power. It is inoperative or it's dead. Well, see, we've been talking about the anointing. We've been talking about the fresh anointing or the flow of God's Spirit. And, you know, the anointing, we know, breaks the yoke of bondage and the anointing is a way that we can be blessed and be a blessing unto others. But the anointing is not God's primary way that the body of Christ is supposed to live. The Bible does not say, for the just shall live by the anointing. Does it? It says, for the just shall live by what? And the anointing is not always operative. Did you know that? The anointing is not always operative. When we come to church and we assemble ourselves together and everyone takes their place, there is the corporate anointing. And the corporate anointing of God, as we yield unto it, can increase and grow in intensity and in degree. And we can be blessed and we can have mighty manifestations take place in our assembly. You know, as a matter of fact, I really believe with all my heart that as the body of Christ is, is together, and each individual in the body of Christ is fulfilling his or her own ministry, and the body is of one mind and of one accord, speaking the same thing and desiring the same thing, walking in love and following love and, and desiring spiritual gifts, I believe we have the potential of manifesting all the power and the glory that Jesus manifested when He walked upon the face of the earth. Because, you see, each individual member is a part of the body of Christ in the earth. His head is, of course, He's the head in heaven. But, bless God, we are the body of Christ in the earth. Now, Jesus, when he walked in a physical body, he did a lot of great things because he had the Spirit without measure. Well, the body of Christ together, when we join ourselves together, you know, you have a gift from God or the anointing to stand in this office, and I have a gift to stand in this office, and you might have that gift to stand in that office. And we, when we're together, joined together in one mind and of one accord, then we have that same measure. We have the full measure. See? As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Ephesians teaches us is that we are to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that what it says? And he gave gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and the teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the unity of the anointing. No, to the unity of the what? Faith. Under the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The measure. And Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure. So we see five ministry gifts right over there. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Each one has a different anointing. Same spirit, different anointing, right? Well, it's obvious then that if each one has a different anointing, then they all don't have the same anointing. 
same spirit. They all have the same spirit, but they have a different anointing. So there is a measure of the Holy Ghost that anoints one to stand in the apostle uh, ministry and the apostolic ministry. And there's the anointing uh, of the Holy Ghost that, that enables one to stand in the office of the pastor or the teacher. And it's obvious that these are, you know, manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And actually, the lay people, they won't have that anointing on them. Now, they've got the Holy Ghost within them, but they don't have that anointing upon them. So, consequently, we see that together we could make up the full, full measure of the anointing when each and every individual takes his or her own place in the body of Christ. And that's when we're going to see the great, great, great mighty things happen. And that's also a growth. But God didn't tell us that the just shall live by the anointing. He didn't say that. He said the just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. In other words, your everyday life is a, a life of faith. My everyday life is a life of faith. All that I do, I don't trust in and rely upon the anointing that's manifest in church, the corporate anointing, because if I did, the only time I can get healed is when we had church service. The only time I can get blessed is when we had a church service. The Lord showed me why there's a lot that, that can't make it from Sunday to Wednesday. Say, so, well, I just can't seem to make it from Sunday to Wednesday. I just need to have more. Well, here's the problem. And I'm not speaking this in any way to put anybody down. Believe me. The problem is you cannot rely upon the corporate anointing and you cannot rely upon the anointing of, let's say, this office of the pastor, teacher. You can't allow that to be that which is going to sustain you spiritually. If that's going to sustain you spiritually, you're only going to be sustained on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then the rest of the week, you might have to go and find yourself another place to go to, like a Bible study or, or a, you know, a meeting here or a meeting there. There are a lot of believers that fall in this category. You know, we can classify them this way. And what they are, and I'm sorry to say it like this, I just I have to say it like this, but it's like a spiritual hitchhiker. You hitch a ride here, you hitch a ride there, you hitch a ride here, hitch a ride to glory here or there. See? In other words, I need to go somewhere Monday because if I don't go somewhere Monday, I just can't be up. And then I've got to go somewhere Tuesday because if I don't go somewhere Tuesday, then I just can't be up. And I've got to find a meeting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, you see, there's a problem here. The problem is God doesn't want us to live by the corporate anointing. He never gave us the, these ministry gifts so that we can live by them. They're only an aid or a help to benefit us so that we can grow more quickly. But the believer is to live by the individual anointing that is within him. And he is to live by faith. Faith is always on. Faith is always on. Faith is always manifest. Faith you can live by daily. Your faith can get everything done that the anointing gets done. You know, no matter what it is, your faith can get it for you. And faith is always on. But the anointing is not always on. Now, for example, now the anointing is on me right now to minister. But when I'm in my office, I don't need that anointing to minister because I'm not ministering. So that anointing does not come on me to minister when I'm in that office, when I'm studying. I ha when I'm studying and when I'm praying and when I'm in my office or when I'm counseling or whatever, when I'm counseling, it comes on me sometimes because that's the office. But if I'm just praying, I'm just going by what's in me. I'm just going by what's on the inside by faith. God's Word, what God's Word has taught me, I just live by that. I have to live by that. I cannot rely upon that anointing that comes on me to minister. Now, I'll tell you something right now. I know there's a distinct difference, too. Because I have had symptoms in my body. I mean, symptoms that you would think there's no way I can go up there and minister. Now, I've been up here almost, what, six years? Pretty soon? Three times a week? You think about it, three times, I've, not missed, I've not missed a service in three times a week, 52 weeks, just except for the time I take off, a week here, a week there, but that's all. And uh, all those times, now you can imagine, you know, I'm human just like you are. If attack comes upon my body, I've got to fight the good fight of faith just like you do. But I hadn't missed one, one. I've said it, I'll say it again, I don't plan on missing any. I certainly don't plan on it. I'm a man, I'm capable of failure, but I'm not, I'm not making plans for it, you know. But I've had symptoms come in my body where it seemed like there's no way you can go to that pulpit and preach. No way you can go up to that pulpit and preach. No way you can go up there and preach. 
I'll tell you what, I walk out of that office, I walk up the, through that door, I walk up these steps over here, as soon as I walk over here, the anointing God comes on me, and you wouldn't think I had anything wrong. You wouldn't think that there was anything the matter whatsoever. I'd feel great. I wouldn't even be aware of any, any symptoms or any, any condition in, in my physical body. And it seemed like I'd be suspended. And just like, you know, you're just off in some other land somewhere, and you're just preaching right on away, and just, you know, under that anointing, and I have noticed that when that anointing does come on me, it's like an aid or it's like a help. And as soon as I walk off back down to my office and the anointing is gone, then I can feel those symptoms in my body again. Do you see that? But you see, the thing is, our faith. Our faith. Here's something that's so important. I, I had a hard time understanding this, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. Our faith is what we need to develop in God's Word so that the anointing... Now, the same anointing that's in this... When, when Debbie was singing, that same anointing that we experienced, that we sensed, when we were worshiping, the same anointing... That's, that's a corporate anointing. The same anointing that comes upon me. See, the anointing might be different, but it's the same Holy Ghost... And every believer has got the anointing that abideth within him. And that anointing is the same glory, same glory of God. And if I have faith in the anointing that abideth within me, see, faith in the anointing that abideth within me, then my faith in that anointing will heal me. Why do we have to have faith in the anointing that's right here? Don't need to only have faith in that. I could have faith in the anointing that abideth where? That anointing abides within. It abides in you and abides in me, within us, and which is the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, that if the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. And that's the anointing. You see that? That's the anointing. And that anointing that we sense, that we experience here when we're worshiping, that anointing can actually come on you. That anointing can just come out from you. And from me. It could manifest itself through us. If we'll yield to that anointing, if we'll yield ourselves to the Spirit of God that's in us, then that will actually be being manifest through us. In such a way that I, I, I know this for a fact. You walk in somebody's presence and they'll know that God's on you. They'll know the hand of the Lord is upon you. I mean that. They'll know that there's something coming out of you, from you. Well, you see, if we have faith in that anointing that's in me, you know, that anointing will heal you in your room. It'll heal you in your prayer closet. It'll set you free wherever you're at. But see, the just got to live by faith. We need to have faith in the anointing that's in us, as well as I need to have faith in the anointing that cometh upon me. Jesus said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. I can stand here right now and someone might say, well, was Jesus boasting on himself? No, he was just stating a fact. And I can stand here and say unto you, well, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to minister unto you. You see that? I can say that. For the hand of the Lord, which is the Spirit of God, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to minister unto you. But that comes on me when I'm ministering. I have to have faith in that anointing. Now, there are some ministers that walk out behind the pulpit and they say, Well, I just, I don't know what I'm going to say tonight. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know how God's going to lead me. And I don't know, you know, just what to do or what to say. I'm running out of material. But you see, and they'll say, I'm so insecure in myself. I don't know why God put me here and what I'm doing. Beloved, you have to have faith in the anointing. I can't talk like that and expect that anointing to come on me in a, in a mighty way. See, when I'm back there in that, you know, office back there, I'm saying, for it is God who is at work within me, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Paul said, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. He saw me faithful. He put me into the ministry. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, you're a minister now. What are you doing? He said, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. For God didn't give you the spirit of timidity and shyness and, and, and fear. Stir it up. What do you mean stir it up? Wake it up. Make it alive. Look at the 26th verse. I'll show you what he's talking about. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, for as the body, the body is lifeless without the spirit. The spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life under the body. 
The body cannot express itself apart from the life of the Spirit within it. So faith without corresponding action is dead. He had the gift of God inside him, but he wasn't using his faith in the gift. He was not, remember he said, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you, that was given to thee by the laying on of hands by the presbyters. Stir it up. You're not acting on it. Stir it up. That's your faith. You've got to live by faith. You've got to have faith in what's in you. You've got to have faith in the gift. You know, everything we got from God is a gift. And everything in, connect, in our connection with Him is a gift because we were not able we, you know, to, to contact Him in any way. Man was unable to contact the Father. Anything He has done in any one of our lives is done by way of a gift. He's given Himself unto us. So we can say that in any area. Stir up the gift of God that's in you. Stir up the gift. Well, what, another gift that's been given unto us is faith. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. He has dealt unto man, each man, the measure of what? Well, your faith can be in you, but you know your faith can lie there dormant. Well, what did verse 17 say? Look at verse 17. So also faith, if it does not have action, deeds and actions of obedience to back it up by itself, is destitute of power. It's inoperative or it's dead. There's a lot of believers that are walking around with dead faith in a lot of areas. They have the faith. It's not that they don't have the faith, but they have the faith. But it's inoperative. It's dormant. It's dead. It's just like a body that has no spirit. It's there, but it doesn't have any life. So he was saying to Timothy, stir up the gift. Give it life. I want to read that from the Amplified Bible, what he said to Timothy over there in 2 Timothy 1, 6. In the Amplified Bible, this is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, and keep burning. The gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Stir it up. Fan the flame. Rekindle the fire. See, that's what he's saying to him. Why? Verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice or craven and cringing and frowning fear. But He has given us a spirit of power and of love and a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So don't blush and be ashamed to testify. He says, stir up the gift of God that's in you. It's not you that's doing it. It's the gift of God. The just shall live by faith. You know, faith has nothing to do with you. It's the gift of God. God has dealt to every man the measure of, of the God kind of faith. You have the God kind of faith. I have the God kind of faith. God gave it to you. God gave it to me. And here we are saying, well, I wonder if I know if I have enough faith. Well, now, wait a minute. You have the God kind of faith. It has nothing to do with you. God gave it to you. It's God's faith. I'm going to show you something here. I learned something from my son. My son... Well, both my sons, but in particular, this, in, in this instance, my son B.J. is just very sensitive to the move of God. He's very sensitive to the Spirit of God. He came home from school the other day, and uh, my wife had him at the store, and she saw some of these little teddy bears, and you know, they bought some. And B.J. looks at her, and she's, he says to her, Mommy... There's a little boy in my class, and every time he comes into class and I see him, he has on old blue jeans. His hair is always a mess, and he wears the same clothes every single day. Now, he's five years old. Now, I don't know about you. When I was in kindergarten, I wasn't looking about what the kids wore. But he said he wears these same clothes every day, all the time, and it looks like he's poor. Now, he, he's a five-year-old boy. He, he says, it looks like this boy and his family is poor. He said, so, Mom, would you mind if I took this teddy bear and instead of me having it given to that little boy? And she said, well, son, no, we don't mind. If you want to do that, you go ahead and do it. And he said, would you write out a note? Make out a note, you know, a little note from BJ and just a little something on there. and Not to embarrass him or anything, but just to put it in a little bag and get it all set up. And he was just so thrilled about it. He was just, you know, all excited about it. And he went to school the next day and he took that into the room and he gave it to that little boy. And that little boy took that little teddy bear. Now, see, that's a gift. Isn't that a gift? And B.J. gave it to him and now it's his. 
that little boy walked over to his locker and threw it on the floor and walked away. And when I picked him up from school, said the son, he said to me, he said, Daddy, do you know what that little boy did with the, the animal, stuffed animal I gave him? I said, what, son? He says, he didn't even tell me thank you, and he threw it in the bottom of the locker. And right there, I stopped. And I said, son, I have to explain something to you. I thought I was, you know, you think you'd be talking to a 13-year-old. This kid's only five years old. I said, son, it's like with God. You did what the Holy Spirit laid upon your heart to do because you're very sensitive to God. And it was your responsibility to do what you sensed God wanted you to do. And you did it, that and you acted in love by giving to that other person something you felt he really needed. Now, whether he needed it or not is irrelevant. You did it in love. Now, once you gave that gift over to him, I said, honey, it was his responsibility to do with that gift whatever he so desired. Now, if he misused it or if he properly used it, I said, that's all up to him. But once it left your hand and went into his hand, he becomes responsible. And the Lord spoke to my heart when I told him that and said, that's how it is with you. I mean, he sure as the world just spoke to my heart and says, that's how it is with you and my children. I give to them gifts. What they do with those gifts, I've given you the gift of Jesus. I've given you the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've given you the gift of faith. And whatever, I, you, know, whatever you do, that's your responsibility. You can develop your faith and use your faith properly, or you can take it like that fellow did, hide it in a napkin and put it in the ground. If that's what you want to do with your faith, you can do that. You can be just like a little boy, just throw it at the bottom of your locker, leave it right there. And not use your faith, just let it sit there. If God has called you to a ministry and you have an anointing upon you to, to stand in a specific office, you could abuse that or you can properly use that. If you properly use that, it will grow and increase in degree and in intensity, you know, the anointing upon it. But if you don't do it, it will decrease. And if it decreases, there's a chance it could diminish until it's just gone. But He was shown me that's how it is with faith. He has given all of His children the gift of faith, the God kind of faith. He says, I've given it unto you for what purpose? To live by. B.J. gave him that, that stuffed animal to enjoy. Not to throw it down and just leave it lying there. And as long as it was laying at the bottom of his locker, of course, he wasn't enjoying it. Was He wasn't playing with it. He wasn't having any good time with it. So really, although it was given to him, he's not utilizing it. He's not using it. And it's the same thing with our faith. We've been given faith. Faith, unless... We understand, and this is, this is the simple part of it, which is why I want to get into this, the acting on our faith. Unless we act on our faith, our faith is like that little teddy bear just lying there at the bottom of the locker. There it is. But it's like that body without the spirit. It's dead. It's inoperative. Void of power. Void of expression. Everybody say, I have faith. Everybody say, I have the faith of God. See, I have mountain-moving faith. I can move mountains with my faith. But I must use my faith. And see, using our faith is a lot easier than what we think. It's a lot easier than what we think. Using our faith is acting on God's Word. It is simply acting on God's Word. You know how easy it would be for that little boy to play with that thing? It'd be simple for him to just take it and start playing with it. It's his to play with. It's his to enjoy. Faith, Jesus said in Luke 5. Let's look at this. Luke 5. Or Luke 17. Verse 5. Here of the word have faith. Hearers of the word have faith, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So hearers of the word have faith. But 
that faith that they have without action is inoperative. It's as a body is without the Spirit. Can you imagine when the Spirit leaves that body? That body is dead. And it has no expression. It's there, but it has no life. But faith, the same way, without action, without corresponding action, it's inoperative. It's dead. We have it. Now, the disciples over here in Luke 17, they asked Jesus, knowing what faith would do, they said, in verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. See, they were aware of the fact that they could have more faith. And they wanted their faith to be increased. Now, when we all start out in the body of Christ... Romans 12, 3 says, He has dealt to every man the measure, not a measure, but the measure of faith. In other words, we all have the measure of the God kind of faith. We all have the same potential. You have the faith of God. It is a spiritual gift imparted to every child of God when they're born again. No more, no less than anybody else. It's all the same faith. When you all got filled with the Holy Ghost, you all got filled with the same Holy Ghost. You have received the Holy Ghost in the same measure, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When you got born again, you received faith, the gift of faith. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, I can't do that, really. I can't increase your faith. Why? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But He said this, here's a way to find out whether or not your faith is growing. Here's a way to find out whether or not your faith is increasing. Here's a way to find out if you're using your faith or not. For if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say. Now, hold on. Faith must have action. Faith without corresponding action is dead. It's inoperative. But if you have faith, you might say. Now, there are those today at this hour that are speaking against what is called the message of faith. And they're saying that our confession or what we say has nothing to do with faith. But yet, the Master said in His Holy Word, if He had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say. Say what? Say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, be cast into the, planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Look at that. You might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root. Well, that's enough right there if you ask me. But the last part says, And be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Obey who? You. If you had faith, ye might say. You cannot take say away from faith. If you take saying away from faith, then you don't have faith. For if ye had faith, Jesus said, you might say. This is part of the action of faith. You would say. Say to the tree. Say to the sycamine tree. Say to it, be thou plucked. If you had faith, you would say. So you see, beloved, what we say does locate our faith. And what we say does determine whether or not our faith is increasing or decreasing. What we say does determine whether or not we are developing our faith. Because, you see, faith says. Jesus didn't just say that here. He said it other places also. Now, if Jesus said the just shall live by faith, or the just shall conduct their lives by faith, or the believer in his everyday life, will be sustained by faith, then isn't it logical for us to know and realize that there must be enough word inside this Bible involving the plan, purpose, and will of God to sustain us in every area of life? Because if we're going to live by faith, faith is not a physical something. Faith is not a physical tool. Faith is not a physical weapon. Faith is not a physical medicine. Faith is not a physical 
finance. Faith is not a physical aid. Faith is a spiritual something. Then there must be enough word in here to cover every phase and area of life, whatever the case might be. Because faith comes by hearing what? The Word. And the Word, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man cannot live by bread alone. What's he saying? Physical food sustains physical life. But the Word has been given to us as our daily bread. The anointing will never, never satisfy us daily. The anointing will never be enough to sustain us in daily life, except the anointing within, faith in that. Of course, that comes through God's Word. So, you see, faith in God's Word is to the spiritual life what food is to the physical life And I don't believe I have to teach anybody in this assembly tonight how to act on food. I can stick a big old pizza right over there in the corner. And I say, okay, brethren, act on it. Tony would be the first one. He'd be over there so fast. (laughs) Amen, brother? I mean to tell you, and he'd know exactly what to do with it. Amen. Amen. Now, although you couldn't describe what it does in the body as the body assimilates it through the digestive system, but you'd put it in there and say, go ahead and do your thing. Wouldn't you? You know how to act on that. If you're walking in your house and your belly begins to let you know that it's time to put something in there, I don't have to tell you how to act on that. You walk over to the refrigerator door and open it up and say, yeah, there's food in there, but I can't act on it. Call up somebody on the phone, some nutritionist. Yeah, I got some eggs in, in, in the refrigerator. How do I act on them? They probably think, where'd you come from, Mars? <laughs> no. The food is in there. All you need to do is open up the door. Grab a hold of the, the, the eggs and put them out. If you want to boil them, boil them. Then act on them. Put them where they belong. Now, I want you to see how easy it is to act on God's Word. I want you to... If you just follow me for a little, just bear with me. Pretend that's a refrigerator. See? And something comes along. See, your stomach tells you when when it's time to eat. You're hungry. You need something. Well, something comes along in life. Let's call it trouble. Let's say trouble comes knocking on your door. It's not stomach pains. It might be some other kind of pains. But anyhow, trouble comes knocking on your door. What am I going to do? Go to church and wait for the anointing to fall. No. Can't do that. Why? It's only Monday. Well, all right. Can't do that. I'll call up the pastor. He's got the anointing to minister. Well, it don't work then because it's Tuesday. It's not Wednesday. I'm not preaching. The anointing's not on me to preach. Well, what am I going to do then? Hmm. If you was hungry, you wouldn't call anybody. You'd go right to the refrigerator door, wouldn't you? Open it up, grab something out and say, that looks good and act on it. All right. Let's open up our refrigerator door to Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 46, verse 1. Acting on God's Word. Here comes trouble. Knocking on your door. Your husband just came home and said to you, Honey, trouble. What's the problem? Oh, you don't know trouble's come. The boss is telling us that we might get laid off. We might lose our job. I'm just, you know, just throwing something out there. It doesn't matter what the trouble is. But trouble's come. So what do you do? There you are. You're in your house. Well, let's run over to the phone. Let's call the church. Now, don't get me wrong, beloved. I'm not using this to say you shouldn't call and get somebody to agree with you. I want to show you that even as an individual believer, no matter who you are, myself included, 
I have to develop the gift of faith that God has given unto me. And if I do develop that faith, we can be solely dependent upon Him and we can live by faith. That faith will be enough to get us to a place that we are come to the unity of the faith under the knowledge of the Son of God, under a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our faith need not fail. We can get a hold of God for ourselves. Amen? Sure we can. Well, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Everybody say trouble. So, troubles come knocking on your door. You just came home with that bad news, that bad report, or whatever the case was. What is, what is, a lot of people do this. They start acting on something wrong. They start acting on fear like Timothy was. Timothy, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. What are you acting that way for? Don't you know that when I was writing to the church at Philippi, I told them that your fearlessness and your boldness is a sure sign of Satan's doom. And your deliverance by the hand of the Almighty God. What are you acting that way for, Timothy? God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Stir up the gift that's in you. Go to God's Word. See, this is always on. That Word, Psalm 46, 1, is always on. What do you do? You rock right over and say, Honey, give me by the hand. Open it up. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is my refuge and strength. My very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Now, how do I act on that? Pretend like it's an egg. Pull it out. Crack it open. Put it in a bowl. Stir it up. What would I do? Father God, you are my refuge. You're our hiding place. You're our fortress. You're my strength. You said when trouble comes, you said you're our very present help. You're here. You say, that sounds foolish. But Jesus said, if you had faith, you would what? That's what he said. So you know what I say? I say, Father, you are my present help in trouble. Trouble has come. You are my present help, my refuge, and my strength. Okay? Go to your next egg. Psalm 91. Pull it out. Break it open. Verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. Look at these I wills. Now, hold on. Who came bringing home to you the bad news? Your husband did. Who gave it to him? The boss did. Well, what did he say? Well, you might lose your job, or you're going to be laid off for a while, or whatever. So, what do you come home and say? Honey, let's, get open to the, let's go over to the refrigerator. Let's open up the door. Let's find, let's find out what's in it. You go to Psalm 46, 1. He's my refuge and strength, my present help in trouble. Troubles come, but God's present. Now, if you had faith, you would what? You mean it's that simple? My brothers and sisters, it's that simple. Anybody here ever lead somebody to Jesus? Raise your hand. You said, let's go to the refrigerator. You said, let's open up to Romans 10. And he said, see right there what it says? If thou sh- What's the word of faith say? It's neither in thy mouth, in thy heart, the word of faith that we preach. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. So now do it, you say. And what do you get him to do? You get him to say a sinner's prayer. Isn't that right? And if they believe in their heart and say it with their mouth, what do you say to them? Now you're saved. First thing they say to you is, I don't feel any different. And you say, oh, God, we don't go by feelings. Right? And they say, well, I don't know. I didn't feel any, you know, goosebumps. I thought something was going to happen. So did Naaman. He didn't get anything like that. You say, your salvation is not based upon how you feel or what you think. Your salvation is based upon that word and what it has said. What God said. Isn't that what you tell them? And you are saved because you believe in your heart and said it with your mouth. You are saved. 
Well, now, wait a minute. Why can't we take a dose of our own medicine? Trouble has come. It's knocking on your door. You open it up. You're my refuge and strength. You're my present help in trouble. You are here. What are you going to do? He says right there, I will be with him in trouble. He said, I will help him in trouble. I will deliver him. Hallelujah. You're fixing to get delivered. You see that? How? By your faith. By your faith. By your faith. Not some anointing. Don't need to call somebody on the phone. You got somebody on the phone right here. The line's open. Open it up. See, I believe that's where we miss it. We just want to go and just, just do our thing. We don't want to do what God said. Open up the book. Look to what the Scripture says. And then do, acting on God's Word is just doing what He said to do. Jesus, well, Mary said to those that were, you know, did Jesus told to go fill up the water pots with water? He, he, Mary said, just whatever He saith, you do it. Is that acting on God's Word? That's simply acting on God's Word. Whatever He saith unto you, do it. Well, what did He say unto you? He said, I'll be with you in trouble and I'll deliver you. So, beloved, instead of walking off and saying, well, it looks like we're going to lose a house. looks like we're going to lose a car. looks like we're not going to work. looks like it's all bad. He said, but I can't see beyond this job. I can't see beyond anything else. You know, God's bigger than our job. Beloved, God is bigger than our environment. God is bigger than the problems that endeavor to come into this church. God is bigger than your marriage. God is bigger than your body. God is bigger than my mind. God is bigger than all that's around us. He's greater than all these things. And this greater one is in me and he's in you. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What's the problem? We just hadn't acted on God's word. So you take a hold of that and say, Father, you said you'd be with me and deliver me out of trouble. Hallelujah. I say you're with me. I say you're my help. I say, you're my deliverer. Do you see that? You know what? That's acting on God's Word. But brother, do you feel delivered? No. But, But sister, does it look like things have changed? No. But didn't you just tell that old sinner that he doesn't have to go by what he felt and what it looked like? Didn't you tell that sinner that you don't need goosebumps to know you're safe? That Word said it, so you aren't. Didn't you say that to him? Why can't we take a dose of our own medicine? Why can't we just do exactly what that word says do when trouble comes? You know what? You can. Didn't you know that? That's what faith is. Faith is being obedient to do what God said to do. So when trouble comes, recognize it and go to your word. Open it up and see what it says. And then do exactly what it says to do. You mean to tell me it's that easy? Yes, it is. It is that easy. But how's he going to do it? Now, he didn't tell you to ask that. He didn't tell you to figure it out. He said, trust me with all your heart and don't lean on your own mental faculties. Trust me and I will bring it to pass. Didn't he say that? Sure he did. So, you see, that's that. we just acted on God's Word. Now, I'm going to show you another one. Go over to 1 Peter. Chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, in the amplified translation of that same scripture, it, it amplifies it, brings it out a little bit further. And it says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now, someone might say, well, now, what am I supposed to do when I begin to worry and begin to get anxious? What am I supposed to do? I need somebody to help. What am I supposed to do? Your faith will put you over. Your faith you could live by. Your faith. Jesus even said, take no thought for your life. All you need to do to use faith, to grow in faith, to have your faith increase, is to say. Everybody say, say. Everybody say, I say. I cast all my cares. 
all my worries, all my anxieties over on you because you care for me affectionately and watchfully. You know what you just did? Prayed. You just prayed. See, some, I think we have this religious idea that if we call somebody on the phone, Sister Sue, so-and-so, and she goes in this elaborate prayer, this long, and ends it in other tongues. Then you say, yeah. <laughs> That's prayer. No. You know what prayer is? Prayer is talking to God. Actually, prayer is taking His Word and putting it back up to Him as a mirror and saying, You said this. Did you know that? I've done it. I said, Now, Father, I've got two bucks left in my name. As a matter of fact, not only do I say it, but my checkbook says it. And in case He couldn't see through the cover, I opened it up to the page, put it out on bed, and said, There it is. Do you see what that says? You say, you talk to the Father like that? Absolutely. I wouldn't talk to Him any other way. Because you know why? He's not religious. He's God. He's your Father. And when you talk to Him, you talk to Him like I'm talking to you. Are you ready for this big old long prayer? Right, ready? Let's, let's get everything ready. Ready? On your mark. <laughs> get set. <laughs> now, and then you start, this is not prayer. He all looks down and says, what are they doing now? What in the world are they doing down there? I thought they wanted to talk to me. All you need to do is just say, now, Father, I cast my care on you. You just prayed. Prayer is nothing other than talking to God. Prayer is communicating with the Father. You know what Jesus said one time? I thank you that thou hast heard me. Well, what did he say? He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. About Lazarus. And when he got to the graveside, he says, I thank that thou hast heard me. He was, he was praying to the Father when he said that. See, the Father said, he's there. He knows. He knows that you said that. So he knows that I said, Father, my checkbook says $2. He knew. It said it, and he knew I said it. I'm praying right then. I said, Father, my checkbook says $2. That's prayer. He said, well, why are you telling him? He knows everything. Because he said to remind me. He said to tell me. He said, plead your cause or plead your case. He says, come before me and tell me. Let us plead together. Okay. Well, then I said, but now, Father, you said. And I opened up the Bible. See, sometimes we just don't do what he said to do. We try to get inside that refrigerator without opening up the door. You just can't do it. Open up the door. Open up the book. I open up to the Father. I says, now it says right there, Philippians 4.19. In case you don't know, I know it's there. I'm just reminding you. And it says right here, you supply all my need according unto your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what it says, Father. Okay. Now I made my case. My checkbook says two. Your, your Bible tells me you supply my need. I need $200. Now, do you see this all together so far? Well... Now what's my next step? Now, not some great elaborate prayer. I said with my wife, I said, Now, Father, I believe, according to Mark eleven twenty four, I believe I receive $200. Well, that wasn't fancy, was it? I didn't shake, didn't quake, didn't get goosebumps. Just said, I believe I got it now. Thank you. That sounds simple, doesn't it? I want to show you just how that... Well, of course, it came. I mean, it came It, it came five days later. But I want to show you something. Give you another testimony here. This one boy was diagnosed, wasn't even saved, was diagnosed as having cancer. And this was so bad. It was, I believe it was his limb. It was so bad, the first clinic said, 30 days, you'll be dead. They wanted to amputate his leg. And they said, if we do, you've got a 50-50 chance of anything, any kind of improvement. He said, I'll go another one. Went to another cancer clinic. Same thing. Diagnosis, the same thing. You'll be dead. One was 50 days, one was 30 days. And went to a third one. Same thing. Same diagnosis. 
mother said, let's go on down to Kenneth Hagin's school. He's got a healing school open up. Let's go on down there. He's not even saved. This boy's not even saved. And he's sitting out there. Brother Hagin is teaching. He's teaching, you know, God's Word about healing. Of course, the anointing is there. But there was no special anointing for that boy to be healed. He sat there. He just listened to what was said. And when it was all over, he said, that settles it, Mom. What do you mean, son? I saw people fall into the power and fall on the ground. I don't understand none of that stuff. I don't know what's going on. don't understand any of it. But he said over there in Mark eleven twenty four that if you just believe you receive it, you have it. He says, that's as easy as anything. You know, apple pie. I believe I receive my healing. Thank you. This guy's not insane. 30 days, be dead. This fellow was totally healed by believing he received his healing. And he went back. They checked him. They said, we can't find a trace. Went back, checked him. Not a trace. And his mother said to him, Son, Jesus is your healer, isn't he? He said, Yeah, Mom, he's also my Savior. He accepted Jesus into his heart to be a Savior, too. But I want you to see something here. You know why the body of Christ is suffering? Because they're not using their faith. We're not to believe in all manifestations. Although, that's a part of the ministry that we have to... You know why there are manifestations? Because those are love gifts. Because, you see, if we keep using our faith for ourselves only and we don't allow these things to move in our midst, then we're not taking our place in the body of Christ and we're not allowing God to work through us. We become selfish with what we have. But not only must we learn how to, to receive from God all the time for ourselves, but we also must be available to the move of the Spirit so that we can get these love gifts moving for other people in their lives in case they don't got the faith to be healed. God can move by His Spirit and move upon them and deliver them like that. That's why. But, beloved, God wants us to use our faith. And once we begin to understand our faith and use our faith, it'll grow and it'll grow and it'll grow. But if we don't use it, it's not going to grow. And I'll tell you something else. You're not going to be one's going to be, you know, ministered to by a gift of the Spirit because it just doesn't work that way. Once we gain the knowledge of it, we're responsible to God. So that gift is basically for someone who's still young in the faith. But I want you to see that. That fella acted exactly on what Jesus said to do in Mark 11, 24. Unsaved and God healed. I believe I received my healing from cancer. I'm healed. That's what he said. Now, he said over here to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Now, what's so hard about that? Cast all of our cares, acting on God's Word. Look at that in Philippians chapter 4. Same thing. And verse 6, or verse 4. Go to 6. We'll just start at 6. Now, he said, cast all your care upon him. So when worries come, when frustrations come, when it seems like you're tempted to worry or be frustrated or anxiety comes your way, it's taking up a lot of your thinking time. It's overpowering you. He says right here, do not fret in verse 6. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer. What is prayer? Talking to God with His Word. When you said, Father, Psalm 46, 1 says, You are my refuge and strength, you are my present help. You are here. You just prayed. Just like that. And you know what? He's here. Hallelujah. He's there. See, that's faith. He's there. Because he said he would be. All right? Now, when that worry comes, and it's, like I said, it's controlling your mind, and your mind is so caught up with, with worries and frustrations and circumstances, the thing to do is to go right to Philippians chapter 4. Open it up and read it. Don't fret, have any anxiety or about anything, but in every instance or circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition or definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. With thanksgiving. And God's peace, 
be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with this earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. The peace or the, the tranquility of God will not come over your heart and mind unless you refuse to have anxiety, worry, or fret. And when you worry and have anxiety and fret about the thing, then the peace of God cannot come on you. But when you stand there and say, I choose by an act of my will to refuse to worry, fret, or have anxiety about anything. See, this is the lifestyle of the believer. The just shall live by what? And if you had faith, you would what? Say. Say. Worry. Everybody say. Worry. Anxiety. Fretting. I refuse to bow to you. To allow you to dominate my mind. Peace of God. Rise up. Hallelujah. Do you see that? You know what you just did? You acted in faith. That's all faith is. You say, does it work? Well, you better believe it works. This is what you're going to live by. This is what we're going to live by. We thank God for all the cookies and cream, the, the gifts and, and all that. But beloved, if you're having problems in your family life, if you're having problems in your marital relationship, if you're having a circumstance... What have we not done or what have we done? If, we've not acted, or if we're not acting in faith, I'll tell you something right now. It's not going to work. If you get blessed by a supernatural manifestation of God, I'm with you and I'll rejoice with you all the way. But I'll tell you something, you cannot live by that gift. And once it takes place and once something ha- happens, if something else is going to happen, chances are you'll never get it that way again. But when you get over here to God's Word and you begin to say what His Word says... If you had faith, you would say. Then what he said would happen will happen. So he says, you can be assured that my peace will come upon you. In verse 8 he says, now the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there's any virtue or excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things and fix your minds on them. You know, unless we do that, how? Go to the refrigerator. Open up the door. Unless we do that, then Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Why? Whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. And if, let's say that again. Thou will keep him in, everybody say, perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. You know, the Bible says, commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. See, He can't bring it to pass until we commit it unto Him and trust also in Him. And if we do that, He says, then the peace of God will come upon us, and our minds will stay upon His deliverance. It will not be stayed upon our circumstance. And although the circumstance exists, we're not thinking on the circumstance. We're thinking on the deliverer. We're thinking on the Word of God. We're thinking on what God said. We're putting God to work. We're putting the greater one to work. You should be all upset and worried and frustrated. No, the greater one's inside me. He's living in me. He's putting me over. He's making me a success. Oh, don't you have enough sense to worry? No, I have more sense. I have too much sense to worry. Bless God, the greater one's inside me. The greater one is moving. You see, we can't get this God that's in us to live through us unless we start acting on His Word, can we? Go to the refrigerator, open up the door, see what's in it, and start shouting. Amen? Amen? For the just to live by what? Now, you want to get the glory of God moving in you? You want to be a vessel unto honor? Do you? Fit and meet for the master's use? You want to advance or increase the anointing that's flowing out of you? How's it like to walk up to somebody and say, My, you convict me of my sin. You want to be holy? You want to get the holiness of God out of you? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 4. See, we can act on a word this way too. That was negative when circumstances come. But bless God, let's act on something positive. 
You're the temple of God, aren't you? You know, he says that they're in a, in, in a house of silver and gold, a house of wood, hay and stubble. But you are the temple of God. And, and because of the fact we have uh, turned away from sin, we can be a vessel unto honor. Well, the glory of the Lord is inside you, isn't it? Isn't the glory of the Lord inside you? Isn't the glory of the Lord inside me? But you see, the body of Christ has never learned how to get it out of them. It's in there. But Jesus said, don't light a candle and leave it under a bushel. The bushel's your senses. Don't leave it under there. Get it out. Let the light so shine. Let it shine from your spirit through your soul to your body. Well, let's look at this in verse... I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. Chapter 4, verse 29. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome talk or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.